If it bleeds money, we will buy it. Welcome everyone, this is Illiterate. This week we are covering Predator. My name is Evan. I just checked out my childhood favorite franchise. I took a walk down memory lane. I'm hanging out with Taylor. Hey there. I checked out interviews from Starlog magazine of 1987. Good Lord. Today, the day this episode drops, Prey will be released on Hulu, and it's getting rave reviews. It premiered at Comic-Con, and people are saying it's the best in, in the franchise since the original. So, as I said, this is one of my favorite childhood franchises, uh, probably way exposed to it way too early, but, uh, you know, <laughs> that's how it goes in the 90s. Uh, so, we are going to we're gonna take you through the Predator franchise. Welcome. This is part one. Part one, we're going to walk all the way up to into what's kind of going on now. I, I am stoked for, especially to turn my buddy Taylor loose here on this property because I know he's going to come back with some things I've never heard before. Uh, and so I'm stoked. Can you hear it? I'm ready. Let's go buckle <laughs> up. Predator, yeah. baby. I'm, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum because I have not seen a single one. Of course, we know the classic lines, but how did this all come to be and why did they make it in the first place? <laughs> yeah. I started my investigation in a thing two years before the first movie came out called Commando of 1985, which was news to me in that it was really Schwarzenegger's big vehicle to present him not as a robot from the future or a caveman from the past like Conan and Terminator, but a person. He's still a cartoon character. But a hero of our time. Exactly. Yeah. And and a human (laughs) being. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And this thing was huge. It grossed over six times its budget. So that leads us then to, in the next couple years, how this film got made and the inspiration behind it. Really nobody's that came up with it, which you had clued me into when I was looking into this. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things. Uh, Jim and John Thomas were first time writers. They didn't even have representation at the time, um, which I was refreshed to that this week too. And it's just kind of staggering to think about what it turned into. <laughs> this is a couple of vegetarians uh, sitting around t- thinking about, you know, the, the food chain and game hunting and just like the, how does that play out? It's, it's pretty, pretty interesting. <laughs> and the, the big joke that had been going around Hollywood that they said they were responding to was because Rocky Four had recently come out. And since I'm the numbers guy, earned $300 million on a $28 million budget. Oh. And so, like we're talking about, why are they making Pirates of the Caribbean 7 and Transformers 9? It's like, well, these things do really well, yeah. <laughs> even if they're the same. <laughs> Just a constant escalation. And so the joke was that Rocky has beaten every human that's available. Who could beat him next? He has to fight an alien. And they laughed that. about that, yeah, and and ran with it. And that's their original script was called Hunter. And that's the kind of the idea is that, oh, this person, who is it going to be? Well, a commando in the jungle would be fighting off an alien hunter. I, originally, it was a brotherhood of hunters, like an alien Too clan. big, got to scale yeah. it back. This is 1987, <laughs> all over stuff. The, you know, the effects, I going to remind people the effects, not the, not the, like the physical effects, the, the visual effects in this film are rudimentary and like on <laughs> at the beginning mm-hmm. of these things really done. Um, so that's a huge feat going into this thing and taking it on. Yeah. Some of the stuff that they were inspired by 
just general mythology of the monster type stuff, Cyclops, Minotaur, Grendel and Beowulf they had mentioned, as well as from the literary side of thing, Heart of Darkness, and then, of course, the most dangerous game, the Richard Connell 1924 short about the game hunter that gets washed up on an island and it turns out right. this other general is using okay. people for sport to hunt them, which, and, uh, and yeah. You're so spot on to bring up uh, Commando, not just for the context for Schwarzenegger, but that is really the film that they, that they posit. They want you to think you're going to see Commando. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's the genius of it. They, Commando is visually not only because it has Schwarzenegger, but it also shares Bill Duke in the cast. <laughs> it, visually, they're made within a couple years of each other. They look so similar. They look genre identical until you get to the sci-fi elements of Predator in the back half. So use everything that you mentioned about what they were pulling off of. Wrap that up into a Commando style Schwarzenegger vehicle. And then 40 minutes in, it's got a science fiction turn. You use yeah. that, uh, use that, uh, the most dangerous game spin, but it's not a general who's trapped people there. It is now off planet. It is now some otherworldly presence who has strung our, our characters into a game. This is also something that really can't be replicated, which is why it's hard to contextualize it because everybody kn knows what the predator looks like and whatnot. But it's it's one of those things with the like, Luke, I'm your father. It's shocking. Right. But now probably a lot of movies have a, a midway either supernatural twist or it's a more of an action thing. And then it turns horror. This really got people in the late 80s because of and, and Commando. think about that even. Exactly. And think about that to that point. This film plays out and much of it. Your earliest sense of the of the creature's presence is from a point of view, which is it plays out in heat vision and we get some sort of technological feed on the side of the vision. So all that to say is you don't see this act, the creature itself. You fit. You do not see the creature itself until almost an hour into the film. Now, mm -hmm. this is 1987 for the first time we're seeing this creature debuted. Taylor, you've never seen any one of these movies, but like you said, you know what the creature looks like. Yeah, That's how big this is. And so that's how hard it is to even think about what it's like digesting Predator in 1987 is because when you watch it now, if you've never even seen one of these movies, you go in almost spoiled for the reveal because you know what it looks like. That's what you spend an hour almost wait when you get the idea that it's out there. Much of the suspense is what does it look like? <laughs> uh, much written into the plot is you can't see it. In fact, most of the characters never actually see it. Yeah. So that's built into the suspense. Uh, narratively, you want to see it. So now that it's such a massive, uh, famous design, you can't get away from it. You don't have to see a movie to understand what it is. It's it, Mickey Mouse. It's big. It's huge. <laughs> Alien. It's, you know. Yeah. It's hard to contextualize what the movie would have felt like unveiling itself for the first time in 87. Well, I also found an interesting tidbit that relates to it in a way more so with The Most Dangerous Game. But like I said, that's the most obvious comparison. The I found that a couple of friends in the 80s, so this is 81, had talked about The Most Dangerous Game. One of them was a stock trader in New York, and one of them is born, raised outdoorsman. And they're like well, who would survive against each other in the woods? Mm. Because clearly, I both of them are egotistical. and are like, I would definitely outsmart you and take you down. 
And so they had found in this farm equipment catalog this paint gun, and they rigged it up and got eight other guys to join him with this cabin, and that was the invention of paintball in 81. Oh, was related oh, wow. to the most dangerous game a little bit before, but I feel like a lot of people sort of imagine themselves in Predator or similar situations when they're <laughs> playing paintball. It's like, oh yeah, can we outsmart each other in this right. game of chess and subversion and hiding behind trees and all of that? There, I feel like there is yeah. a, uh, I don't know, teenage masculine 80s <laughs> vibe to all of this <laughs> stuff, Predator and paintball and the most dangerous <laughs> right. game. All go hand oh, that's hand. fascinating. I had no, I that's I'd never even considered when paintball originated. Yeah. <laughs> and that, so that's, yeah, man, the 80s were great. That is a wild time. <laughs> yeah. Let's jump back to these guys that didn't have anything to do with Hollywood, really. And then how they got this, then, if it seems like old Jim and John. Yeah. <laughs> How'd you even get an agent boy? <laughs> so it's a bit apocryphal. There are a ton of sources that say they slipped it under a 20th century Fox's producer's door, but that's, that's not legend. really. It's metaphorical. <laughs> yeah, they the, the real deal, they sent letters out to every agent producer, rejections. Jim had a friend who knew a reader at Fox, and what was going mm. on at Fox was there was this change in administration, and so then there's shuffling around of producers as well. And so this reader was able to get it to some junior execs who got it to a producer who's moving into a different role, and then the new leadership likes it, and then they give it to Joel Silver, who had just done Commando. So he mm -hmm. was on board, as well as some other producers. So that's what I saw this interview in Starlog magazine was they were going through that process. But it was a bit of a luck in timing in the sense that we, I think we've talked about in other episodes where when in these studios, things get shuffled, they either drop projects that they're working on because they need to make a name for themselves or grab new ones that they think will yeah. fit their new identity as the leadership. So that's- Yeah, everything gets thrown yeah. up in the air and, and it's really tough when you have when you have things you're betting on <laughs> that have just yeah. been thrown and we'll see where they land. Maybe, oh, that might be the end. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's quite the period. <laughs> The success coming from the director, John McTiernan, he, this was his first studio film, which is crazy to think about too. He had cool. done one before and then ends up becoming this kind of guy because he did Die Hard in 88 the next year. And so <laughs> gave him a lot of training for one man yeah. against a seemingly unstoppable opponent. Shout out. We did a Die Hard episode if you're interested in how all of that came to be as well. Big John McTiernan fan. I mean, I, there's, I think his work now stands really galvanized against the popularization of big action into the 2000s. Um, mm -hmm. I think what you see in his work, both in this movie and in Die Hard and, and further on, really uh, were stepping stones into how we think about this type of action, these scale action. And I, I just, looking at the film now, it's in a different class and John McTiernan brings that filmmaking gusto to this picture because the, the difference is obvious. I'm skipping ahead of myself, but like when we get to predator two, it's a decent movie. I think it feels like predator, but it's mm -hmm. not quite, it's not made by a filmmaker with McTiernan's uh, confidence. <laughs> and there's a lot of confidence. You had talked to me before, but if you want to go into kind of how, this was shuffled around halfway through, or at least the latter third, yeah, got completely um, redone 
or not even redone, but just needed to be done correctly in the first place. So they go off to shoot the movie and they're anticipating the arrival of the creature. So they're shooting the movie. They're doing all the wood stuff. They're doing everything they can, much like Jaws without the shark. They're doing everything they can without the creature. Anticipate today, tomorrow. Finally, it arrives. They bring it out. And the entire crew is is got the wind pulled out of their sails when they look at it. They try to do a couple things with it and then just crate it up and ship it back to the studio. Uh, the studio heads look at it. It's pretty obvious that everybody needs to put pencils down. The production full out shuts down. Six months I saw, right? <laughs> it was like wild. half a year. Yeah. <laughs> Producers run around trying to figure out how they can uh, refinance uh, the back end uh, of this picture. Meanwhile, they're dropping the designs and on a rush job hiring Stan Winston. Now, Stan Winston is the man, the creature guy, the design guy. He had just come off of Terminator, comes recommended off of Schwarzenegger's word. Uh, they see this as a hack, commando ripoff, <laughs> sci-fi money grab. They don't have confidence in it. Nobody's read the script. They just, on the on the face of it, this is... This is Arnold not respecting our work. We deal, deal with genre all the time. He's coming in here, he's going to do blah, blah, blah. Stan says, no, 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 there's something to this. Works with them, a couple of his key designers. Stan is on a plane with Jim Cameron uh, as he's designing uh, figureheads. He's doing the actual heads of, of the creature itself, not getting into, well, is it bipedal? And that kind of, but like, well, what is, the, what, is, what is the focal point of this thing going to be? And off of a comment of Jim Cameron's, he says, he sees what Stan's working on. He leans over, he says, you know, I've always wanted to see something with mandibles. Right. And Stan's like, oh, interesting. Hmm. Scribble, scribble, scribble. And immediately that you can see you, uh, some of those designs are publicly available. You can see his early work, uh, hands that off to people in his team who flesh it out. They all work together and, and design what we know as the Predator. They use a guy who had just gotten you done in Harry and the Hendersons. He played the, the creature in that. Um, Kevin Peter Hall which I have immense respect for because he's a real character actor. He's probably the best creature actor ever. Um, <laughs> uh, his movements are particular. He plays the, the creature as well in the second one, but those are the only two that he's able to do. Unfortunately, mm. he passes away um, due to a, a, a medical. It's not a happy thing. Um, but that happened not shortly after Predator 2 was done. But Kevin Peter Hall uh, outweighs Arnold is staggers over Arnold. He's, he's more over than seven foot feet. taller than yeah. Arnold. He's, he's absolutely massive. And so you add not not just is he massive. They didn't just go and get, you know, somebody off of a rugby team or a football team. This is a character actor, a guy who walks with the grace of a ballerina if he needs to, if he wants to, and has been trained to do so in some mm -hmm. in Well, some I heard fashion. he was into he was do he was into miming, and so he that helped a lot. Yes. Yeah, you can't get past the guy's movement and that it's not just getting a big guy and putting a suit on him. That doesn't work. Um, there's incredible footage of him actually working in the suit behind the scenes, doing just movement pieces in the suit. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> it's like a misconception, I feel like, with these sorts of projects in the script where the script didn't really have what this was. And then they did have a thing. I'll post links to it. Like you said, the original design and then the redesign are available. They had tried yeah. this thing with a long neck and a dog-like head and a single eye and backwards legs like a 
kangaroo or something. But it's supposed to move like a ninja in the streets, you know? So like, you know, you can draw these big, listful, long, beautiful things, but then you put it on a person to move and people don't move and it's, oh God, and now you're clunking like a penguin, you know? Like, you thought it would be beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a big part of this is how it it changed halfway through and potentially could also have just been dropped completely in an unfinished film. But was that's able to at the same going. time, the studio is going through uh, a change of heads there. So the producers have to show them what they have of the film and and, and convince them uh, that they see some the potential in the picture. This was a, a movie in scramble tra- trying to figure <laughs> it out, but inadvertently benefits from that mind game of getting to take home your material, look through it, assemble it and understand what it needs. What do you have to go get now? Um, mm-hmm. That has become how major motion pictures just are made. They didn't know it, but they were really helping themselves out by going through that process. And it is borne out in what became a classic. A success. Yeah, exactly. Uh, not, and the, the elements that were developed in that time, namely the effects, were nominated for an Academy Award. So, the, you know, they definitely, uh, you know, messed up. Up. Yeah. <laughs> failing upward. Falling upward. Yeah, right failing upward. <laughs> Yeah. One of the things that was also one of my favorite facts about the whole thing, besides the paintball connection, is if you had just seen this and guessed, you would not have picked. But there are two United States governors that are in this film that became governors. Jesse Ventura of Minnesota and Arnold of California. And they're Jesse like, Those ain't are- got time to bleed Ventura. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, oh, the movie Predator from 1987 has two heads of, yeah, different states in the U.S. After, it's, afterwards. It's incredible. <laughs> and it's not who you would have picked, you know? Maybe you would have picked uh, Bill Carl Duke, or you know, yeah, 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 somebody, yeah. Um, oh, another little coincidence there, and we'll, we'll also talk about him a little bit more later, but I talked about Stan Winston's shop not wanting this job because they had other things they were focused on. Everybody thought that... Uh, Monster Squad was going to be the movie. That's what mm-hmm. everybody in the shop and Stan Winston's shop wanted to work on. That was all the fun things. You get all the classic characters that everybody thought is a great script written by Shane Black, who was also in the cast for Predator. And he will um, come up in our second part as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of, it, it's funny, he's cast as a, as kind of a shadow on set rewriter, which didn't work. The producers like thought they this would work and no, like, Shane was not going to, no, I'm not going <laughs> to, the writers are the right, you know, it just didn't work at all, but they thought we, we could cast him and get somebody to second guess the script on set. <laughs> <laughs> not only do we need somebody behind the camera, we need somebody in the scene it's to be questioning it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Jeez. you know, so it, it's just a, a odd small world there. Uh, yeah. How Shane Black is in the middle of this and surrounds it even outside of the project itself. Yeah. So that's 87 explodes. The big thing you had me look at was the comic book stuff, because that's really where the heart of this has kept beating past the shirts at Hot Topic and whatnot for most people. There was a there was a a, the sequel in 1990, which we mentioned briefly, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it I I'm a staunch defender of it. I think if you're going from Predator 1 to Predator 2, it's not some giant change, giant dip in quality. It's just not a John McTiernan is a is a hell of a filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> um I just want to say that Stephen Hopkins it, uh is a good filmmaker, but 
but he was still learning and he was not, he was just not in the same place. And you feel that, but I don't think it's some massive drop off. It's not crazy different. I think if anything, they're trying to match the tone and style as much as they can while doing their own thing in a new setting and time. Yeah. So that's where that that really leaves it off is like, okay, this franchise is going to take this idea of the warrior matching the biggest warrior from outer space on the biggest warrior on earth when and where is the idea going out of two into the 90s into this gusto of comic books and video games. (laughs) Yeah. So the comic books started before the second movie came out. Really? I didn't know that. (laughs) Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. June there of we 80, go. Yeah. June of 89. I thought all this was born out of I thought all oh, this was born out of Predator 2. My god, June 89? Mhm. <sighs> um, is the start they'd been doing the Alien comics for a year. So they had that property. This is Dark Horse that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. The comic book company. The first Predator series was called Predator Concrete Jungle, which then became the name of a video game later, but very similar in plot to the second Predator, except it's the brother of Dutch. It's a hot summer in New York. His brother's gone missing, of course. We know that that's Schwarzenegger. And there's murders in New York City. (laughs) There's uh, gang bosses are massacred. You know, they're trying to... It's it's very similar to what Predator 2 ends up being, except in Los Angeles. This is incredible. This is the comic. So, I mean, I couldn't really tell whether or not, because obviously if the movie is coming out in 90... And this is coming out. They're written pretty similarly. I know that the movie was written by the Thomas brothers again in like three weeks. And so maybe they pulled some stuff where there was some back and forth between them as to what the movie was going to be. But it's very, very similar. The big thing that I know in regards to this is the alien versus predator where they're coming together. So I looked into that a little bit. Right. So at the end of Predator 2, they they un, you get to see inside a Predator's ship their trophy room of skulls and amen, among them is an alien skull. Right. Not hidden. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, in 1990, they're like, we're going to do a alien versus Predator movie. And then yeah. 14 years. <laughs> so the uh, the connection to that goes back to this comic series in 89 that was just Predator, and then they had also been doing the Alien one for a year. So Mm -hmm. the full Alien versus Predator situation is right in line with when they're starting the the standalone Predator stuff. This comes out in 1990. What had happened was Dark Horse was thinking about doing a potential crossover with DC and their Batman, Superman, whatever, with some of their other properties. And then the person responsible is editor Chris Warner, of Dark Horse. And he suggested, well, why don't we cross our two properties that we have already? That'll be more straightforward. We don't have to involve DC right now. Dark Horse being literally the Dark Horse smaller company, right. but they have these up and coming properties. So that's why they did it so swiftly after getting Predator, because they were going to try to do gotcha. something with DC. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the crossover of the comics doesn't have too much to do with what the movies ended up being in the 2000s. This right. is more, I, I feel like it focuses more on the alien side of things. I mean, it's been, it, it went on for a long time until 2019. Right. 
it was yeah. always my perception that it took more place in what we understood of the alien world and then yeah. there were predators too, which doesn't seem that crazy of a leap. You know what I mean? Like right. if we were in the alien franchise and we're in space and we're on all these incredible <laughs> ships and stuff, it's that, okay, if a pre- if we go to some alien planet or something, okay, I, I, I can follow that. And that's where I always thought the, the strange misstep was with both both of of the alien versus predator films is they had this they just had to be on earth for some reason whereas like all of the comic books and games thrived because of the ease of doing it in space because we've already seen soldiers in space because of aliens like that that's that was the connection with it yeah colonial marines out of aliens the alien creatures and now the predator creature it kind of all fits together really well if you do it there but then the films never attempted anything like that (laughs) yeah what i found interesting with the comic and i'm glossing over because it's over a decade of of comics almost two decades right the, the primary protagonist is which i feel like is pretty progressive i don't know how they actually input it in there but it's a, a human female machiko noguchi and she hmm. is like you said more in the alien world humans had colonized and the predators are using the aliens as their ultimate hunting she impresses the predators enough for them to conscript her into hunting with them and so that's right okay. the bulk of I what i think the, i've seen images of her yeah. now if, by what you're saying yeah yeah but that's where the comics fit and they don't really maybe we'll get into some of like female protagonist in the second part of this but keep that in mind where a lot of that flavor comes yeah. from is yeah. the comics the the other thing coming from the comics after the second film comes out at the very end you said there's this tease of an alien skull in the trophy case which didn't really have I, it's the same company, but they were just like, well, we'll just throw this in there as a little fun thing, but it got Might people well. going. The other thing that they do is they is a little flintlock pistol is given as a trophy. Yes. And th- I think that'll factor in in our part two, but it had factored in, exactly. in, the, in, the, in the comics. There was a comics offshoot called Predator 1718 that came out mm. in, in 1996. It's on an island in Guinea. It's a pirate crew that's dealing with a mutiny, and the predator, of yes. course, is there and joins the fray and is like back yes. to back with the captain fighting his crew. But the crew kills yes. the captain, <laughs> which <laughs> if God. you kill the captain, then that's denying the predator the ultimate hunt. The captain gives the predator this pistol, and the predator leaves him with his retractable sword or whatever it is. And so wow. that's... Uh, you know, they took that idea of, oh, there's a pistol as the trophy in Predator 2. Can we make a comic where that ha- right. where that came from? And so that came out I'm in 96. Gold is just music to my ears, you say, in Pirates. Because I've always, yeah. like, after Predator 2, I have this distinct, this distinct memory of mm-hmm. being on vacation with my family in the mid-90s. This had to be 97 or 98 at the latest. Yeah. And I'm so engrossed with these two movies that I have brought Predator 2, the VHS, with me to the beach, wherever we are. And I'm thinking, and I'm going, well, you know, okay, he's going to the city this time. It's a cop. It was a soldier the last time in the jungle. Where are we going next? What's it going to be? You know, so I'm I'm thinking pirates. I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking Egypt. I'm, you know, what, you know, any setting, place, warrior as a child. Yeah. <laughs> uh and and 
and like these comic books are coming out and I, and I think there were a few because I had an older brother who's seven years older than me and in, introducing me to all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a few of those comic books laying around the house. And I remember one set in at least the 1800s uh, of a predator like hunting some like pioneersmen just in the <laughs> woods who outsmarts him and then cooks soup in his skull like yeah, in the yeah. predator's skull he like makes a bread bowl out of him. <laughs> Panera uh, yeah yeah um you know I was like this is about setting and warrior and time as a child I was understanding that and then from that point forward the films just never followed up those notions in any way no notion of it at all yeah, I, I had looked into some more of the comics stuff because, like you said, they are all over the place as well. I just want to, since you brought all that up, there's also a ton of novelizations and books related to it. And the one you right. might like the most was for the 30th anniversary. It's an anthology called Predator If mm-hmm. It Bleeds. And they do really mm-hmm. jump around. So the different stories is in 12th century Japan, 9th century Viking Norway, World War One, yes. the Civil War, Hurricane Katrina. Yes. Future space warfare. Yes. There's a Hurricane Katrina one? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. And honestly, it reminds me a lot of, like, what they did with the Assassin's Creed games. They could do with Predator. That's what I was going to say next, Yeah. Yeah. When those games got big in in the late 2000s, I was sitting there going, this is what Predator was supposed to be. This is what Predator was supposed to be. (laughs) Well, we'll, yeah, we'll see next week. I've uh, been be right how that happens but yeah i'm be i've been bewildered my whole life like i said these first two movies are like two of my favorite movies especially the first one i love this character this creature this franchise i like and i like what it what it could do and i've just have been so confused for decades (laughs) (laughs) well the the thing too is that the alien vs predator films which got people and if you weren't into the comics came out later and that maybe seems a bit absurd to some people as opposed to it just being in different time periods by itself. But it almost already jumped the shark in a way in the comics because he's been everywhere and back, not just in time, but in other properties. So I looked into the other, the ones that I thought were the most hilarious to me. The next big one was Batman versus Predator in 92. (laughs) Yes. And that was a whole mini series uh, written by Dave Gibbons, who was the artist of Watchmen fame. This was not a yes. joke. Uh, so this art is incredible. Uh, if, yeah. <laughs> if anything has been interesting to you to, today, go and see the uh, Batman versus Predator art. It's beautiful, and it makes sense. Similar to the second movie, or you know, yeah, this you know. detective, he's like investigating these strange murders across Gotham. Turns out it's the Predator. Batman is also a master of gadgets and deception and stalking and all of that stuff. So it doesn't seem like but the a Predator reach. became this like. Liter this like pop culture literary like matchup for yeah. all of the best. Yeah. Yeah. So I <laughs> like, saw Oh yeah, you like him, put him up against a predator. <laughs> yeah. So the next one too, with DC then merging with Dark Horse, the big one in ninety-five, it was Superman versus Aliens. And that kind yes. of makes sense also because there's space and I if he's away like from it. the sun, he can't get his powers. And you know, there's a there's somewhat of a twisted logic to it. Then they I go like off the it. deep end, and it's Tarzan versus Predator at the Earth's core in 96. Well, okay, then, you had me yeah, until yeah. the Earth's core, and then I went, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and then in 2000, you've got Superman versus the Predator, so maybe a step down from the aliens. I don't know where okay, that okay. fits in. Well, you and know, then, if Batman gets to do and the aliens yeah. get to, why not? <laughs> 
My second favorite one comes in 2007, and it's Superman and Batman versus Alien and Predator. <laughs> it's a double team up. That's I got uh, I got a double team up. I'm hoping you name soon. <laughs> well, the the final one that is my favorite one, which isn't a double team up, but it's the most bizarre one, is in 2015, and it is Archie versus Predator. You know oh my the God, no way the Archie comics. Oh my God. This was proposed by the Archie Comics team to Dark Horse, and they were like, this is going to be hilarious. It oh was the best-selling issue for both publishers in April of 2015. Uh, no knowledge It's this, this. this dark comedy, but it's the use of the Archie traditional cartoon style for these rather gruesome scenes. Archie's murdered. Like, everybody's just getting picked off. It's <laughs> wild. <laughs> so... That's the um, and that's amazing. Archie's team's like, we want to do this. Come on, let us do. Yeah, this. <laughs> please. This will be hilarious. <laughs> who's who's reading Archie anymore in 2015? <laughs> Throw the predator in there. Yeah, he's the ultimate. We can matchup. go back to you know back to business next week. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing ever happened. They're all dead, but whatever. Yeah, back to high school drama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was the one you said, or you were going to say? Um, I, you know, I don't even know if they ever did it, but I want Alien versus Predator versus Terminator. <laughs> I think that was proposed. Maybe it was done. I, I, I you know, I, I'll, I've heard it and seen it. You know, like I, it's, it's been. I'm not saying those wor- words in combination for the first time. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know that any content was generated, but like maybe the, there's a that idea book. has floated yeah. around. Yeah. But that's the one where that's the one where I'm really the the holy <laughs> trinity unite. <laughs> yeah. But the duality that we have that did exist is the alien versus predator franchise of films. The first one in 2004 and then the next one in 2007, which do not really follow what the comics had been doing. What it would not have, at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they kind of follow the Wayland Utani company out of the alien uh, canon, right. but they bring it to earth our present day 2004 <laughs> to not say anything else. If, I'm, if we're not going to say anything else about alien versus predator, I mean, I I want to mention that it is led by a black woman, which is, I mm-hmm. think, in, incredible for a film of that budget uh, at that time. Uh, people forget that. Um, yeah. and, and, and I'm so confused now in this day and age to see like backlash online when a like a, a, a woman of color leads a, a Marvel film or, you know, is like because this. This is what Aliens and Predator had been doing m- the whole time, basically. Well, and if you go to the comics, yeah, it's uh, a Japanese woman. There's That's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I grew up with Alien, Predator, and Terminator showing me really, really strong women and positioning them in huge movies to that effect. And so now in this day and age when uh, you know, people are upset that a Star Wars film might be led by a woman of color or, you know, whatever it is, that's just a posture. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just like, I've been, this is what, this is how these stories work. You, uh, so I digress, but it's yeah, yeah. like, I, I just want to pull out Alien vs. Predator 2004 for having uh, a woman of color lead that film. Um, yeah. It's pretty, I think that alone is might be worth the watch just yeah. if you're if this is fun at all watch it around halloween or something <laughs> yeah thanks for thank you for pointing that out the last bit with the alien versus predator stuff is all of the like you're talking about well maybe the movies sort of got crapped on or was not the greatest and the comic books are not really as known they also had this third leg to stand on which was all the video games that came out oh yeah that's really where i was yeah 38 officially licensed Alien or Predator or both video games and started 
from the beginning. So 93, there was a Capcom wow. beat-em-up arcade game where you could play as all the different ones. And then this one blew my mind because it was for the Atari Jaguar, which was a, you know, almost dead-in-the-water console system. But mm-hmm. it was a first-person shooter in 94, and you could play as an alien, a predator, or a colonial marine, and there were three different plot lines and three different play styles and all of that. Wow. On this in 94. Old, in 94. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Kind of like a Wolfenstein 3D or, mm-hmm. or Doom as well, maybe not as much Doom, but yeah. It uh sure. from the beginning, these games, and they and they have come out, if not a year ago, two years ago. So that's also what's been keeping the franchise going. I was a huge fan of getting into the late 90s when they got onto PC. That's when I, I got into those video games. Um, and they were huge in my house, and I played them through the 2000s but that that was what held my interest and then eventually they they did an Xbox 360 big uh, release yeah. of Alien vs Predator in 2009 or 10 and that that definitely held me over for a while and sadly enough those servers were live up until about a year ago uh, <laughs> you yeah. could play online on Xbox on Alien vs Predator yeah that's what i mean is like it it there are certain things that are holding it together when people are like, God, why is this, why are they still talking about this? Why is this still coming out? It's like, because in certain circles, it never ended. And there was continuously updated media to follow along. The big one being this, which is the last piece of media we'll talk about is the reboot situation of 2010, where it's just called predators, kind of like the title, like aliens is what they said they wanted it to hearken to. This takes it away from Earth. They're abducted and placed on this game reserve, almost back to the basics of most dangerous game. And this was a script that Robert Rodriguez had in 94 to be made after the sequel. But too large of a budget, didn't work out. They finally got it made. But from my understanding, a lukewarm response as well. Yeah, I mean, too little, too late. Um, <laughs> right. and ultimately, Rodriguez didn't direct it, and I think that that really harmed it. If it had been made in 96, uh, it probably would have been awesome, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, a misfire, I think, because without the alien angle, why are we off Earth? Now we're don't. Which people I mean, knew we have, about. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we have all the worst people. We have all the worst of the worst off Earth. Now we're on another planet. I get it. Okay, it's a fun, it's an interesting thing, but- it leaves a lot on the table for the last two decades where we didn't follow up all, you know, pirates or <laughs> Egypt or Vikings or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which you seems know, like the that's things where that... we, so it, we just skipped off over all the fun, all of it. It just got all relegated to comic books and novels and video games. And then, okay, we're going to do a movie again. Let's do the diametric opposite of what people have been expecting in all the worst ways. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where we'll leave it because next week we're going to get into well they did take another 8 years to reboot it again and right. that didn't you know we'll talk about that and who's responsible but then here we are. And here we are again. again. It's <laughs> but it's vastly different and you'll hopefully if you listen to this part and then the next one you will see some of the connections and things that we've teased here that end up making something a little bit different and why they've decided to 
not even call it Predator, not even let you know that it's a Predator-based movie in the market. Changing it up, baby. Changing it up. I can't baby. wait, but yeah. uh, I am actually going to a screening tonight with the uh, with the producer, the Comanche producer. I'm going to a special screening of the Comanche dub. Um, and so by the time I get back, it'll be released online and I'll be able to pour over it frame after frame. Uh, <laughs> and then this episode will be out and everybody will be enjoying it. And then we can all meet up next week and talk about Prey. <laughs> yeah. Until Perfect. then, stay safe, everybody. Let us know what you're watching. Let us know what you're reading. You never know when we'll do that an episode on it. Um, and just please come back. I want to talk about Prey so bad. <laughs> anyway, until then, uh, stay safe, and we'll catch you then. Yeah.